Hey everyone, welcome to the latest episode of The Backbeat. My name is Marcus Shepard. And I'm Kiara Singleton. And today we're just going to get into two kind of music moments that are making waves this week. The first, of course, is Meek Mill's latest album, Championship, right? (laughs) And then, of course, we're going to get into Ariana Grande's record-breaking music video, Thank You, Next. Um, So I guess we'll get started with Meek's album first, because it's been making a lot of waves. He's been making the talk show circuit. I saw him on CNN yesterday talking about prison reform, his new album. So he's really kind of seizing the moment and running with it. I think he definitely did that on the album. Um, So what do you want to do? You want to go track by track or pull out some of our favorites? What are you thinking? Um, I think I actually, um, I want to... Uh, probably pull out some of our favorites and talk about them. But what I want to do before we even get into the album is to talk a little bit more um, about the um, press run that he's on and kind of all of the the really amazing things that he's doing to bring prison reform to light. Mm-hmm. So um, right before the album dropped, he did, um, he wrote a piece for New York Times, an opinion piece for New York Times. And he also did like a short film, which was all about um, interrogating what rights people actually have. And it was really, really, really amazing. And so he starts off the film um, by saying, like, you know, you have the right to remain silent. But then he goes, but that means you also have the right to be silent, doubted and suspected. Then he goes um, on to say that the color of your skin can and will be used against you in the court of law. And the reason why he says that is because he cites a statistic that um, black people are convicted five times more than white people convicted for the same crime. Then he goes that you have the right to an attorney but 80% of defendants actually cannot afford an attorney. So what happens is that you are stuck with a public defender. Shout out to all the public defenders out there because it is really hard work because you it's you and you have a huge caseload, right? Mm-hmm. But and you usually that, only meet your client for like a few minutes right before and then you get started. So they don't even have enough time. Yeah, it depends on what it depends on if it's for a misdemeanor or a felony, though. Mm -hmm. So like someone who's in trouble for a felony will meet their public defenders a little bit more, but still not enough um, to help them build a strong, you know, defense. And so you have 80 percent of the people who cannot actually afford an attorney. um, And then you uh, have to use a public defender, someone who's overworked, someone who has hundreds and hundreds of caseloads. Right you are not able to build a really solid um, defense. Then he goes from there and says, you know, you have the right of innocence until proven guilty. But when you actually look at the statistics, 47% of um, people who are wrongly convicted are black. And then when you do receive a sentence, on average, um, your sentence is 20% longer than white defendants accused of the same crime. Um, And so, you know, I I just thought it was such a brilliant way to think about the rights, right, that people have and then how those rights actually don't apply for everyone. And then he, he ends it by saying, you know, now once you serve your time and you're back in society, you know, you're still being punished, right? So you you are then um 
you can be denied a bank account. You can be, not, be denied a mortgage. You can be denied a job. You can be denied the right to vote, right? Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, it's just a really, really powerful video, and I really encourage everyone uh, to watch it if you have the opportunity to do so, because I think it's just a really good way to think about someone who has been through the system, right? And granted, Meek Mill is, you know, a multimillionaire, and he has billionaires on his team, right? But if that, if it took a ton of money and billionaires speaking out... <laughs> in support of him. Imagine, imagine what someone, you know, the chance that someone doesn't have if they don't have any of that, right? To be caught up in a system um, that doesn't necessarily, you know, care about you or rehabilitating you, right? If you look at the statistics, about 80% of people who um, get probation, actually within five years, they end up back in jail or prison because of a technical violation, you know? And so if you are really thinking about the reforms that need to happen for the criminal justice system, I think what Meek Mill is doing is not only talking about, hey, look at my case and look what happened to me, but he's actually, you know, breaking down the ways in which every day people are caught up in the justice system because of these rules and regulations that are not mm -hmm. meant, you know, were never meant to keep people exactly. out of prison and, and rehabilitate good, them. And he does a good job with that on the album. I think we could segue there. Um, and he really pulls that out on a few of the tracks, not just relating to his own case, of course, but to just things that are happening. I think Oodles of Noodles, Babies, I think does a really good job of just talking about Philly. And I think he has a line that talks about, we never, what believed in the police, they were shooting us. And he talks about like overcoming racism and all of this stuff, um, that he was happening in his community. I, Oodles of Noodles, my babies might be my favorite track on the album it samples love changes by mother's finest i think the beat is great i like when he's just like strictly rapping i don't know some of the features on the album i didn't care for whatsoever i kind of liked it just him um i don't i haven't really followed his career as i'm sure you have kiera um so you will have better insight than i of course <laughs> but i think that was a really great one i know on what trauma he talks about um, his own case, more particularly about watching a black woman take his freedom, almost made him hate his people. Um, yeah. So I think he really does a good job. Right? I haven't seen the documentary or anything that he put together, but I think he does a great job in putting those messages also into the music, which is something a lot more people will probably listen to and that they can kind of take with them and sit with. Yeah. And I think if we go back to Oodles and Noodles Baby, right, at the end of the song, he says, see, I got um, a homie that's a billionaire, and I be trying to explain it to him like this. Mm -hmm. If your mom ain't on crack or if she got a job and she's doing eight hours a day and your daddy's in the graveyard or in the jail cell, who the fuck gonna babysit? And I really thought that that was a powerful way to end the song, right? Because it's another way in which he's calling attention to the ways in which poverty, right, um, drug abuse, 
and prison and jail kind of impact family. So he's not just making it about him, which is something that I love about this album. He uses his story as an entryway to talk about systemic issues, right? So he's saying, okay, look, you have this system that's set up and then you have, you know, people who are struggling, you know, to actually just, you know, survive. And then you have a bunch of kids and if they don't, have the resources or family members around to help them, to steer them out of trouble. It's very easy to get caught up in the streets. And Mm -hmm. we have to remember to not, you know, demonize people, but actually talk about the systemic issues, right? Poverty, um, you know, that's happening in, you know, certain communities as to why certain um, systems are set up this way. Um, And then you mentioned trauma. And I thought trauma was um, definitely a stand out. Um, the, the lines he said about the judge, um, were amazing. Um, I really, really, really liked, uh, the part when he talks about PTSD and he Mm -hmm. says, ain't no PTSDs. Um, them drugs keep it at ease. Um, they shot that boy 20 times when they could have told him just freeze, could have put him in a cop car, but they let him just bleed the ambulance. They come and baby just breathe. That's what the old lady said when she screamed the nightmare on Elm street, Friday, the 13th and the 13th amendment. It don't say that we're Kings. They say that we're legally slaves. If we go to the bang. So once again, right, he's uh, stepping outside of himself. He's talking about police brutality, right? So kids getting shot down in the street when they could just get arrested, right? You can have a conversation. You don't have to use lethal force, right? Then he's talking about the people who are witnessing it, right? The trauma that comes from witnessing it. Um, And he talks about, you know, People in the hood have PTSD, but that's not something that's recognized. And so then you have this culture of abusing drugs and alcohol, right, to kind of deal with the the trauma of living, you know, as he describes it, you know, on Elmer, Elmer, Elm Street, like it's Friday the 13th, right? And so, you know, I think that that's really, really amazing in the way he creates that um, if imagery. And then he talks about the 13th Amendment, right, which is the amendment that says basically slavery is abolished. However, if you go um, to prison, rules don't apply, right? Um, Mm -hmm. And so I really, really, really love trauma. Um, And then the other song that everyone's talking about is What's Free. What did you think of What's Free? I enjoyed it. I mean, I'm not really a fan of Rick Ross, you know, as we've talked before. I'm not here for his date poor, prior date rape lyrics, so I tuned him out. But I did listen to the Jay-Z verse, and I thought that, of course, he always brings it. I really liked him trying to, I guess, reach out to Kanye. I think people are misreading the line. I definitely think he's trying to say, don't let them, what was it, don't let them separate us like MJ and Prince. Basically, like, we can still, you know come together we can still you know get it together even though you're rocking the red hat um and so i i liked it i mean it's not my favorite but clearly i understand why everyone's really gravitating towards it because jay-z always brings a nice bar what about you yeah so i really like what's free um rick ross you know i just don't know what to think about him um sometimes because i think I do love his music, right? He has said problematic things in the past, like many rappers have. So for me, I don't always tend to kind of dismiss an artist immediately. You know, I think everyone deserves, you know, chances to kind of, you know, 
um, get it right. But <laughs> I just, I don't. I mean, yes and no, understand. right? It's also your own personal choice, right? I'm not invested. Well, right? I mean, so I think it, it, is your it is your own personal choice. But if you like hip hop, right, there's no way in which we can talk about hip hop and sexism without getting rid of so many different artists. And I, and I don't believe for me personally, my opinion is that when we listen to R&B music, it's there. When we listen to country music, it's there. When you listen to pop music, it's there. When you listen to rock and roll music, it's there. Now, I don't advocate, right, these lyrics. But what I'm saying is that, like, for me, as someone who listens to hip hop, it's it's just really, really hard. Like, I would have to get rid of everyone. Um, and I wouldn't be able to listen to anything. And so, but for me, I just think that Rick Ross keeps getting it wrong, right? Like, even Jay-Z has said some problematic things in the past. And I love Jay-Z, right? But I think that people can grow and they can change their views. Um, exactly. But, but it doesn't seem like Rick Ross has. But, like, <laughs> in this, in this um, song, I don't know what he was doing, but he made some homophobic lines. And I, it was just unnecessary. Like, I don't even understand. He evoked, you know, prison rape um for what doesn't make mm -hmm. sense like you know what i mean it's just kind of like okay rick ross moving on so i, I wasn't really i, I wasn't <laughs> wasn't really paying attention um to that verse as much but i love meek's verse you know he says um lock me in a cell for all them nights and i won't snap 250 a show and they still think i'm selling crack locked down in my cell shackled from ankle to feet judge banging that gavel turned me to a slave from a king another day in the bing i gotta hang from a string just for popping a wheelie. So he addresses his case, um, which was basically he had been on probation since 2007, I believe. Um, and he got sent back um, to prison on a technical violation because he popped a willy um, and he was either given a citation in New York or like arrested very briefly in New York. But the the case was dropped in New York. However, his judge in Philadelphia brought him in, sentenced him to two to four years um, in prison because he popped a willy and basically called him a menace to society, right? And a flight risk. And that's why he mm -hmm. can't be out on probation, which kind of led to this. And he mentioned latest... that in some song. Was that that? Yeah, he, he mentions it in, I think, a lot of them. So, um, and so, like, he... I, I like that he, the way that he sets those lines up, which I really appreciate, right? Because it's like, he's basically saying, you know that I'm out here supporting my family. I'm making all this money from, you know, my profession, yet you still treat me like I'm selling crack, like I'm on the corner and I'm a criminal, right? And I think that that's a sentiment as, you know, that's a sentiment that many Black people feel, other people of color as well, when they interact with the justice system, right? Is that no matter what you're doing, that you're always viewed as a criminal because of the color of your skin. Um, when it comes to Jay-Z verse, you know, I really, really um, liked it, like the the point that you said about the no red hat, don't Michael and Prince me and yay. He actually got on Twitter, um, and which he doesn't do very often, but he got on Twitter the other day and was like, hey, the line is clearly saying, don't pit me and my brother against one another. Um, and that's really interesting that he did that because Jay-Z doesn't usually speak <laughs> that much, but no, I guess that probably clarify really, his yeah. That, that really bothered him, right? Because I, I wonder if it bothered him because also Kanye is also having a really, you know, 
public he's been having public breakdowns for a while right and so yeah, i wonder I if he's just, <laughs> i wonder if he's just done that because he doesn't want to kind of flame the fires there like you know at some point even if they're not always talking or whatever you don't want to make it seem like you're you're dissing someone who is clearly one struggling um, with his mental health. And he's been talking about that. But also, you know, he's also saying, like, we don't have the same political views. I don't need to, you know, knock him while he's down while still saying we don't have the same, you know, political views. So I thought that mm-hmm. that was um, an interesting move from Jay. But also, if you look at the rest of his ver- verse, he has um, some lines where he says, we started without food in our mouth. They gave us pork and pig intestines. Shit you discarded that we ingested. We made the project a wave. You came back, reinvested, and gentrified it. Took niggas sense of pride. Now how how that's free. And then people stole the soul and hit niggas with 360s, right? So one, he's talking about the ways in which kind of black people, you know, from slavery were giving the leftovers, the scraps. Um, Then he talks about, he uses that metaphor to talk about how when it came to housing, you know, a lot of black people were not allowed to get loans. They were denied loans, so they couldn't actually buy property. And they ended up, you know, renting and also living in, you know, projects, right? And so then, you know, Black people with all of our creativity, we made that a wave. We built so much from it. Hip hop comes from it. So much, so much um, clothing, like streetwear, all of these things comes Mm -hmm. from Black culture. I mean, pop culture right now is. Yeah. And so he's, he's like, we did all of this. And then you came back took it from us, gentrified it, right? Um, So it's really, really, really smart. And then he ends that, um, you know, that part of the verse with uh, music, right? So then you take the soul, right? You take what we have created and then you hit Black people, Black artists with 360s, which basically is the way in which record labels profit from every aspect of a person's career. And 360s weren't really a thing before, what, the mid-2000s, late 2000s? Late 2000s, yeah. Late 2000s. And so I I just think it's really, really smart. And once again, Jay-Z is showing us what it means to be at the top of your game. So, he, I mean, Jay-Z's been out since 1996, I think the first project dropped. um, So maybe even a little bit before. But, like, he's, you know, he's still here. He's still rapping um, at such a high level. So I just just love his verse, and I really like um, Meek's verse. Mm. True. Um, I mean, other people, I guess, are talking also about On Me, the song with Cardi B. Oh, um, yeah. They're saying she snapped. I mean, I did like one line where she say, hating is cheap, that ain't my material. Um, yeah. Which I think is a vibe. I think a lot of people will be rocking with that. I think he, you know, in addition to giving us, you know, kind of very introspective, very thought out, very political songs, he also kind of gave us just some vibe songs were like on me, um, uptown vibes. I like that. Of course, mine is fabulous. Cause I'm not here for fabulous. Um, what with the shits, I definitely think is a club banger. I wasn't familiar with the female rapper that's featured on it though. Oh yeah. She's um, dope. She's from, um, she's from New York. Her name is Melly. She's mm-hmm. up and coming. Um, yeah, she can really, really rap. She sings. Um, if you look her up, she has a few songs out, but I think, um, she's super, super dope and she's, um, coming out of New York. And I think, you know, if she keeps moving the way she's moving, um, she's, she's going to be here to stay. I really, really like, um, her work. 
Mm, yeah, and he also, you know, speaking of features, like he had LMA on what twenty four seven, twenty four seven, which featured and the me myself and I, the Beyonce yep. classic uh, yep. that she did with Scott Storch. And it, I mean, LMA seems like she's gonna be that R and B girl for a bit. Like she's featured here. I've heard that she's, but she's on the Creed soundtrack. I Creed think soundtrack, she has yeah. A few other things in the works. So she's really putting in work. I think another one of my favorite songs from the album was Almost Slipped. I think it's definitely mm-hmm. a vibe. I think it had some quotables. What was it like? Relationships turn into situationships, and got to save myself before I save a bitch. Um, Which I, I mean, just... <laughs> I mean to me, right? If we're gonna talk about issues with how you talk about women, almost slipped is like it's a mess. I mean, it's the example of that on this album. Oh, definitely, definitely. I mean, it didn't take to the extreme of Rick Ross talking about date rape, but it definitely was, you know, misogynistic. Yeah, I mean, I it's think... super misogynistic talking about how many bodies a person has, right? Exactly. Like... I was like, well, what, what what quantifies a body, and who gets to judge what's too many bodies? I was like, come on now, stop it. Yeah. Um, like you know, but I mean, these are the troubles we get just with any popular music, especially today, yep. right? Like the savage mentality is definitely selling. So that's what it's about. I think my what what I really love was Respect the Game. I love the sample on it. Um, what is it? A Garden of Peace by Lonnie Liston-Smith, which mm-hmm. if you don't know the original, you'll recognize it from Mary J. Blige's Take Me As I Am from the Breakthrough yep. album. Um, and I so wanted Mary J. Blige to like pop up on the track. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> like, it would have just been dope. Um, cause Mary's the queen of hip hop soul. And then he had what, that little thing about cut you with a Ginsu. And of course me being a fan of New York, you know, Tiffany Pollard, I was like, you gotta give a shout out to the queen who brought in Ginsu knife into the lexicon. <laughs> I, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure other people have been talking about <laughs> it for years, say, a, but I mean, like, Tiffany definitely I, made it popular in the mid two thousands where she, I, she was in. Though. I mean, for the culture that listens to this music, Tiffany is a legend, and she was talking about in flavor. She was talking about in flavor love. She's like the tension's so thick you can cut it with a Ginsu knife, and and I'm sure a lot of people didn't know what a Ginsu knife was before then. If, if that that knife has been popular in a long time, remember they used to sell it on you know infomercial infomercials and things like that. <laughs> Tiffany, we gotta give shout out to the legend <laughs> that is. I, he probably didn't get it from her, but I'm just saying it made me think of her. Um, yeah, her her iconic impact. Without her, there would be no reality TV. I'm just saying. <laughs> yes. I don't know if that's where uh, Meek Mill is getting it from. No, but, probably not. But I definitely. Enjoyed it. You know, I haven't listened to really any of his stuff. The only things I'm kind of familiar with him are his features on other people's songs that I'm a fan yeah. of, right? Like Jasmine Sullivan's um, song, as well as the song he had on Nicki's album. Um, yeah. And so that's kind of where I was familiar with him, but I definitely, through listening to the album, like, he's definitely well-talented. Yes. Like, definitely yeah, a great I mean- lyricist, definitely has great flows and can switch up his flows. Um, and so, you know, I would probably listen to the next album. Yeah, I mean, I'm a huge fan um, of Meek. I So being so close to Philadelphia um, and being a huge, huge hip-hop fan growing up, I knew about Meek Mill based on his mixtape day. So back in the day, um, you could get all of his freestyles. He, 
he's a battle rapper. That's how he came up. Um, so I grew up watching him. I remember seeing uh, different battles with Meek when he had the long t-shirts, his braids, and and he used to be out in Philadelphia flaming um, a ton of different rappers, flaming rappers in Jersey. Like he came up on the mixtape circuit. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, his, his albums have always been good. I think people have... Um, for a while when he was going through his um, situation, you know, the beef with Drake, I think a lot of people, right? Everyone makes jokes. Jokes are funny, right? But mm -hmm. I think people kind of counted him out. And the thing about that was is that Meek has always been a very skilled and talented rapper. If you think about his um, first project, uh, Dreams and Nightmares, that intro is iconic. Like, this is one of the most iconic intros that I will say in hip-hop. It is no one has made an intro that bangs in the club in that way. It goes from talking about, you know, street life, you know, and then it gives it the beat changes and you can dance to it while he's still talking about, you know, coming up and, you mm -hmm. know, basically not, you know, he's here for the he's here for the long term. So Meek Mill is a staple in, you know, rap music. When we talk about street rappers, it is Meek Mill, right? You got Gucci Man, but people who have really kind of helped and elevated that genre um, in many, many ways. And so, like, when it comes to the rest of the album, a lot of it is what I expected. You're going to get a mix of talking about the streets, and then you're also going to get a mix of talking about partying and things like that, right? And so, I wasn't necessarily really here for the um, the track with him and Cardi. Uh, to me, it didn't really do anything for me. It didn't really stand out it i don't know i wanted i don't know what i wanted from it shout out to bangladesh who produced that um i thought the production was really good but you know out of all of the songs it's not something that i really hear kind of going off i hear uptown really going off it's a really good um track mm -hmm. i really really like and maybe um, what 100 summers yeah i really really liked also um going bad with him and drake uh, I, I I'm really shocked. <laughs> why? Why are you shocked that I like that? No, I play. Of course, you oh, liked it. Oh. Drake's your boy. <laughs> I mean, no, I don't have a problem when I think Drake doesn't give a good verse or anything like that. Um, but I really like the song. I like that they um came back together and they deaded whatever beef that they had. Um, and I also like that um, Meek Mill wasn't afraid to talk about the beef, right? So when his verse starts, he goes, me and Drizzy back to back is getting scary, right? Like, you know, it's fun. It's clear that they've mended whatever issues they have. Um, and I'm here for that. I really like that song. Um, I also really, really liked uh, Dangerous. Um, that came out earlier in the year, but it has stood out to me um, still, even with hearing it on um, the album. And then the other song that I really like is the title track, Championships. Um, man, that song to me is just like Meek and his element just, mm -hmm. you know, Great rapping. Flow. Um, just like, I love when he's talking about, um, talking to the young kids in the hood where he's like, all the youngins in my hood popping perks now, getting high to get by, it's getting worse now. You got to tell them, put them gun down, put them guns in the perks down. The new jails got 10 yards in them and that's your first down. Like, oh my gosh, like mm -hmm. me can rap. Like, you know, anyone who's ever questioned whether or not me can rap 
I don't understand why. Because he can he can rap and like it's storytelling at um at its best. And I think that this album was the what he needed. Um, one, I don't think anyone's talking about the beef anymore, right? Like now everyone's talking about him and the music again. And yeah, I'm here for it. I'm here to see um, what's gonna happen um, for him as his career keeps moving. I love that he's launching a foundation about criminal justice reform. And I love that he's, you know, he's saying like, I don't need to be the face of criminal justice reform, but you know what? Like this happened to me and I beat it because of all of these reasons. I need to do this for the people who cannot beat it, you know? And mm-hmm. so, um, so yeah, I just love the album. I love 24 seven. I think I want that to be a single. I hope it becomes a single, but yeah, mm. I'm, I'm I'm super happy with this album. I can listen to it from start to finish and I have listened to it to it back, you know, multiple times. I played it back and yeah. It's a little think- long though, I must say. Like you told it's me it was like only hour. an hour. No, it's hour? 69 minutes and counting. Oh my God. It's like 70. It's an hour and nine minutes. Uh, long. <laughs> I, I prefer in this day and age, right, I prefer an album that's like 45. Right, I don't need an, an hour of material, right? We talked about, like, Chloe and Haley, who released an album that was super long, like, almost 80 minutes, right? Like, yeah. it's just, I don't know, it was a little long for me, especially when you're trying to get to know a new artist, right? He's clearly not a new artist, He's but a new, new artist. artist to me. <laughs> yeah, but a new artist to me, right? So, I was just like, ooh, 69 minutes, like, I listened to it once throughout, and then I went back and revisited some songs that I liked from the first listen. Um, but it was a little long for me, but I enjoyed it, I think... You know, he definitely has some great quotables. As I said before, I think, what was it, on Oodles of Noodles Babies, he talks about from Hand Me Downs to Grammy now. Maybe this album will get him a Grammy. I don't think he has one yet. No, um, but it's going to definitely be in, uh, I think it's going to, he hasn't missed the uh, Grammy deadline, right? I think it's going to Yeah, go he did. No, for... the Grammys are done. Um, the Grammys oh, wait, really? come out. Yeah, the nominations come out next week. <laughs> But when um, is the deadline? I thought the deadline was. No, like the deadline first. is all the way in like September or October. Oh, man. Um, well, yeah. next year. No, but I he's think in, he's yeah, for go next for year. For rap really? album of the year. Oh, yeah. I, I was like, album of the year. I was like, no. But I mean, I wish album. more rap albums got rap album of the year, but I mean, I wish more rap albums got nominated for album of the album year, of the but year. we know how I mean, they're Grammy saying is. Invasion of Privacy has a good shot for album of the year nomination, but we'll talk about that another day. Um, yeah. But yeah, so I think overall, you know, solid body of work, you know, another solid body of work that came out this week was Ariana Grande's Thank You Next, the Vivo record smashing video. It had over 50.3 million views in the first 24 hours alone. She had a live stream party that had the most live streams ever with just under 900,000 people watching it live as it came out. Her, you know, promo for the video, I want to say it's been like almost a week and a half that she's been like teasing and promoting it, which I was like, okay, girl, the next thing I want to see is the damn video. Like, I'm tired of seeing all of these, you know, clips. Like, give me the video. (laughs) But the video came out, and I think the video did what it had to do. It definitely referenced a lot of classic 2000s movies the earliest one of course being bring it on mm-hmm. she had 13 going on 30 which was from 2004 she also had mean girls which i think was 2004 as well and she also had what was the fourth movie i legally thought it blonde. was legally blonde, legally blonde yeah. yeah which was early 2000s as well and so 
I really enjoyed like the cameos. Like if you caught it, you caught it. She had people from the original movies, from Mean Girls, from League mm-hmm. Blonde, from I don't know if she had anyone originally from Thirteen Going on Thirty in it, but everyone who's been involved in the projects has been giving her major praise, major shout out. Jennifer Gardner said that she was a better fit for the lead than her. Mark Ruffalo, who played the love interest, gave her a shout out. Uh, yeah. Reese Witherspoon gave her a shout out. Um, it would, during the teasers, Gabrielle Union said stuff about how they need to have a Clover meeting. <laughs> so I think, it, you know, it's just been really well received. I love the nostalgia. I think yeah. my favorite part was the Kris Jenner cameo. Where oh, she yeah, kinda, that was dope. <laughs> yeah, where she kind of recreated the Amy Poehler moment. But she's also, if you watch Keeping Up with the Kardashians or you're involved in meme culture, there's already a meme of Kris with a camera saying you're doing amazing, sweetie. And it's Kim, like, posing in a bikini with oil on. And she's, like, taking pictures. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I just thought it was perfect. And the video ends with Kris Jenner saying, thank you, next bitch. And Ariana Grande said so that was her idea for her to do it and I just think it's a fun video definitely about female empowerment when she's on the lawn she's reading a textbook about immigration and refugee reform law so clearly our girl knows more than our president does uh, about the subject I would argue Um, just from reading for a few minutes I'm sure on set Uh, so I really enjoyed the nostalgia the video was around like six minutes. It also samples at the very beginning a track from her upcoming album, Thank You Next. If you can believe it or not, we're going to get another album very soon. Isn't it what a mixtape? You... Mm, I don't know. She says it's an album. Oh, really? So, so I thought before she was saying it was a mixtape, like she was talking about my mixtape on and Twitter I, and I on Instagram. Yesterday, someone's like, is the album still called Thank You Next? And she was like, yes. Oh, interesting. I mean, I know I've seen things with her before where she said it's a mixtape. So I wonder mm-hmm. if now they're just going to make it another album. Um, so I thought that the new project was just kind of her um, songs that she made that were just fun. So it wasn't supposed to be like, you know, a big deal. But, you know, we're in the day and age where mixtapes are albums and albums are mixtapes. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't even matter. I mean, yeah, this is her first uh, number one single and it's been on top for three weeks. The video clearly is the fastest watched video of all time in at least 24 hours. Yeah. Had the most fastest to a million likes ever. Fast, most, right? So this is at least going to keep her on the number one for at least another week, if not more. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I'm excited to see yeah. what comes of this next project. I mean, she, I think, knocked it out the park with this video. Um, I saw some article was like, the video makes no sense. And I was like, um, it kind of does, but... I mean, I also don't think it has to make sense, right? Like, at the end of the day, if, you know, she's just recreating scenes from her favorite movies, right? It doesn't necessarily have to fit some type of narrative that someone wants to see. Like, clearly she's having fun and she um, really, really, you know, is opening up with this song. It's You know, she also was a co-writer on this song, right? So, like, mm-hmm. and she has a bunch of her friends in the video. So, like, she made a video that was cool to her and it's cool to uh, all of the 46 million people who watched it in, what, 22 hours. So, like, at the end of the day, like, I don't know. I feel like sometimes people are just hating for what? Like, oh, it doesn't make sense. Okay, it doesn't have to. Like, you know, True. Not- I thought she was just, you know, she was embracing these strong female characters in cinema that clearly she grew up on and they all kind of 
you know, found their own inner strength, right? And I think that's what Thank You Next is all about. So I was like, it makes perfect sense. I was like, maybe you don't know yeah. the movies. Um, and, of course, at the beginning, she had the iconic burn book from Mean Girls, and she referenced, of course, Big Sean, saying he could still get it. Um, she referenced she Ricky, who Ricky. she was like, who was her for- former background dancer. I don't know if he background dances for anymore, but if you've been a fan of hers for a while, there was kind of the mini controversy where she licked the donut and was donut. like, I hate America. Uh, yeah. and he was with her at the time. I say Ariana's a prophet. She knew Trump was about to get elected, uh, you know, a year and a half in advance. And so she double. wasn't here for it. But <laughs> y'all can say what I you want. Was, and a I prophet. Think just, I think she was out in these streets, you know, just being young and dumb. You know, like, I never, <laughs> I never really understood what the big deal was about Donut Gate. Like, who cares? Like, <laughs> Donut <I> Gate. Mean, <laughs> but I mean, it's like, at the end of the day, like, you know, I feel like all these celebrities, when they're really young, they act out. My favorite part of the um, the burn book was when she got to uh, Pete Davidson, right? She called him huge under his video. And I then she said, like, oh. she said, sorry, I dipped. And I just, I died. That was my favorite part. I was like, yo, I'm going to use that. Sorry, I did. Right? It's like, Sorry, I did, but also like you know what? Sometimes you you need to leave a relationship because like you don't have your shit together, and like mm-hmm. that's real and that's owning it, right? Like it's very much so that she was owning it in that moment. She's like, "Sorry, I did." Like you know, she understands. Like she's reflective. She's thought about it, but at the end of the day, she needed to dip because you know. She needed to, and, you know, who cares? Like, you know, it's their personal business, and, like, you know, she don't need to put her personal business out there, which um, I just thought it was funny, and I really, really liked it. Um, I thought it was cute. Um, I think that Ariana is doing a really good job of Mm -hmm. transitioning um, from kind of, like, a tween star into, like, you know, her own woman and kind of um, building that lane for her. I think one of my earliest critiques of Ariana was like, listen, like, I don't want to listen to music that feels like you're writing it for 12 year olds. Right. And I think (laughs) that like, she has graduated and moved on from that. And she's, she's been really smart about the moves that she's made. Right. So that Mm -hmm. she's still bringing her younger fans with her, but she's also showing them that she's Growing up, she's not, you know, what was she in, Victorious? Was that the... Yeah, she was in Victorious and since Sam and Cat, I think, was her little spin-off show before her debut album came out. Exactly. Um, She's she's like, I'm not like them. I'm not that person anymore. Those were characters. I am a grown woman, right? And so... Victorious was, what, 2009, 2010, maybe? I don't know. I never watched it, but I think that's... I do know she was on those shows and um, I'm here for it. I'm excited to see what's going to happen next. And like you said, I do think it was dope that she used um, films that had, you know, they were, they were strong women characters, right? But they were also leads. Move, those movies were about um, and starring women and many of them written by women. Um, mm-hmm. And so I'm I'm here for that. I'm here for, you know, her next moves. And I'm definitely excited to see um, where it goes. So And we're going you know, to the tour. <laughs> oh, yeah, we're um, going to the tour in March. Yep. And uh, yeah, I definitely think, and I don't know if you've watched her. It was like we've gotten so much of Ariana Grande lately. It seems like she's back 
you know, in the swing. She said she needed to take a break. And then I want to say three weeks ago, she released the breathing video. And she dropped Thank You Next as a single and performed it on Ellen. And this week, we also got the Dangerous Woman Diaries. It was a documentary that, or a docuseries she was shooting during the Dangerous Woman uh, tour that happened two years ago. And so I guess now we're getting it one episode a week. Or if you have YouTube Prime or whatever it's called, right? YouTube Red, you can watch them all at once. But the first episode debuted this week and it was kind of a behind the scenes of her on tour and sharing the new music where Sweetener, I guess, in parts had been ready 18 months before it even came out. Um, and so you could just see the joy and excitement behind that. And she's clearly super excited about this Thank You Next project, which she just made with like her friends. Um, yeah. So I can't wait to hear it. I feel like it's going to drop before the tour. It would make sense to drop it before the tour and maybe perform some of the new songs on the tour with the Sweetener songs and her kind of other songs. But yeah, I agree with you. I think she's definitely transitioned very well. She's, I believe, 24, 25. And so when she first came out, right, she was a teenager. And when her debut album came out, I want to say she was uh, like 18, 19, maybe 20. Um, but still, as you said, right, carrying her teenage fans and definitely did have some mature content, but I think, you know, more people feel as though it's acceptable to get into her, right? Like I've been a fan since the beginning, but I was always like, Ooh, I don't want to go to the tour. Cause I know I'm going to be like the oldest one there. And I feel like now with the sweetener tour, I feel like there's going to definitely be a good mixture in terms of the diversity of at least age. So, I mean, she's out here. She's doing what the pop girl should be doing. She's giving you visuals and live vocals. Her mic is on, unlike some of her contemporaries. Come on, let's not shade. <laughs> let's not shade anyone. It wouldn't, be the, it wouldn't be the holidays without a little shade. Listen, I think, um, you know what? At this point, I think once again, um, because people critique Ariana for the way The mumbling. Which, yeah, the mumbling and things like this. At the end of the day, I think... Here's my thing. I am excited that all of these um, young women are out here making music and like really trying to own their career and craft. And I do think like why this is connecting in a way um, that the other albums haven't always connected is that I think this song, you know, like it's like where she is and like she made this project with her friends. And I think that there's a level of authenticity authenticity in it right like it's just like sometimes the stars align when you are also in alignment with yourself and for me I think that mm. this is what this new era of Ariana Grande is about is that she's clearly figuring out what she wants and what she needs she's putting herself first right she's joking about you know she's making fun of people how they're always talking about how she's always like jumping from one relationship to the next and saying you know what like I'm focusing on me right now and that's the best thing um, for me to do. And it, and it, to me, it's no surprise that she gets her first number one, right? This is not a song that was on Sweetener. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is a song that's off of the mixtape album um, that she made with her friends. And mm -hmm. I think that that says something. And I think that um, the beauty of this new project from Meek, this a new song and video from Ariana is that we get to see 
who they are, kind of what they care about, and they're talking about personal things, right? You know, and I'm I'm excited. And I hope that's going to continue with the next project for Ariana. And I really am excited to see how more involved she becomes with her own career because you can see as the albums have um, with each album, she's yeah. she's writing more, right? Mm-hmm. She's getting more co-writing credits on more than just like a song or two, right? Like mm-hmm. so she's she's coming into her own and um i'm i'm excited i love all of the new music but also um really quick there was a ton of new music that also came out this week shout out to little baby um he dropped his new project i'm a huge little baby fan um that dropped on the same day as um meek meek's project street gossip so and i mean there were also a ton of other projects that dropped but i listened Mm, to i thought little baby was that girl from the little dr phil show what's her rapper name what that's not little baby Who's the then? What's her net rapper name? I don't I know. I don't. Like I don't be listening baby. to these white girl rappers. <laughs> I know all, who you're talking about. All rappers matter. No, I'm just playing. I, I know who um, you're talking about, but I definitely don't be listening to them. Don't know. Not who the she little is. twelve year olds. No, little baby is an artist who okay. signed to um, Quality Control Music, which is um, the home of the Migos. Um, little baby has been out for a minute his big mm-hmm. song one of his big songs he has my dog um he has uh that song with him and um gunna which is drip too hard he has a lot you of, lot of all these good, things i don't know but i guess he's, he's on a the lot radio of good, and stuff he's a, yeah he's a big deal um spotify named him like the up-and-coming artist, artist of the year That's yeah great. Artist to watch. is he yeah, how old is he is he young baby young he was he's he was born in 1994 i don't know how Ooh, old would that be that's young <laughs> <laughs> i mean yes he's in his 20s but i just young 94 yeah. um we were yeah. you and i were both fully making sentences and doing other things <laughs> yeah. so he's like what like would that be like 24 yeah at least maybe yeah 24 and yeah, like, 25. Uh, yeah, so he's young and he's been out here for a while. So he's definitely he's been turning 20. He's turning 24. But yeah, uh-huh. he's like, he's out here. He's the next um, up and coming, I think, artist from that label. He already has like two big Billboard um, records, Drip Too Hard. Mm-hmm. I think peaked at number four on the Billboard Hot 100. And then That's Yes huge. Indeed, which features. Um, uh, Drake was number six on the Billboard Hot 100, and he his albums have done pretty really well. well. First one, Harder Than Ever, was number three on the Billboard 200, and we'll see kind of where he lands with the newest project. So well, for him, so time will tell. Yeah, for yes, sure. Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, until well, next time, I guess. <laughs> yeah, um, thank you for rocking with us. Uh, we promised you we would be back in two weeks, and look at that. We kept our motherfucking word. Um, so, um, I don't know yeah. about the next two weeks, though, but we'll be back before the new year. We'll, be, we'll definitely be back before the new year. Um, uh Thank you for listening um, and supporting us. I see that we constantly get, you know, people adding us on Twitter. And we really, really appreciate all of the love and the support. 
please keep tweeting at us. You can find us at the Backbeat One on Twitter. Um, you can find us on uh, Facebook at the Backbeat Podcast, on Tumblr at the Backbeat Podcast. You know, we're out here. We're we love talking about music, and we'll keep doing it as long as you all keep listening. So until next time. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>